Welcome to Sealing God's People at SealingGodsPeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. We want you to subscribe to the channel there, to podcast. Let us know that uh, you're listening. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, back in the 19th of January, 2019, we had a visitation from the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we were in Transmara, Kenya, Africa, preaching at a Maasai tribal church after the morning service and about a four-hour service, it was about 2.30 to 3 in the afternoon, and this lasted for two hours uh, there that uh, the Lord visited us and said, Seal my people by my word. As the angel ascending from the east, heavenly seal of the living God, so send I you. Now, not for any of our righteousness or holiness, does the Lord do these things, but only for his name's sake. Uh, we're just a, a minister of the gospel. Pop the rag, shine your shoes uh, there to help uh, there perfect the body, of, the body of Christ. There in the perfecting of the saints is through sanctification and belief of the truth. We're going to be talking about, of course, as the doctrine once saved, always saved, which is true if... We walk in the light as he is in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another. That's the blood flow through the body of Christ. And then the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. Well, that is progressive, going from faith to faith, from glory to glory. It's not just a one step. Uh, you know, you're regenerated salvation through the redemption. And that that's it. And you claim one scripture, and that's all there is to it. Then we have to go through a sanctification process, which is not just taking and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. And believing there means to trust in, adhere to, and obey. Obey the scriptures. He that loveth God keepeth his commandments. He does them. So we're going to be talking about the overcomer what it means to overcome. He that overcometh in the end, the same shall be saved. Mark uh, 13, Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Now, he that overcometh in the end, the same shall be saved. Somebody said, well, they're already saved. But then why did he say, he that overcometh to the end, uh, the same shall be saved. Uh, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many will wax cold. And that iniquity is lawlessness, not being led of the Spirit of God. So evil men and seducers waxing worse and worse, but we are to be as he is, so are we in this present evil world. Now, we pray that everyone uh, to be presented blameless at his coming, both spirit, soul, and body, through sanctification. Now, sealing is sanctification because it goes from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Now, the Lord is that spirit, and God has shown forth his glory in the face of Jesus Christ. So every time we see face in the word of God, we know that that refers to glory and the face of the earth and the face of the cherubim. They had their four faces. All of these are very important for us to know the truth. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. The revelation of Jesus Christ that many are thinking is going to be another revival. Now, after the second day, he will revive us. But we are preaching and believing 
that this is the time for the new thing, not just revival. Now, in Hosea 6, it says, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten, he will bind us up. Now, the Lord does all these things. Many think, well, the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and therefore God does not kill or wound. He doesn't do any of these things. It's the devil. But we find that in Deuteronomy 32, when God says he will reveal these secrets, is this not sealed up among my treasures, saith the Lord, for the Lord will judge his people. The Lord said, I kill, I make alive, I wound, I heal, I do all these things. Shall there be evil in the city, and now the Lord God hath not done it. I caused it to rain on one city and not upon another, and there still would not return to me. Now, in that Hosea 6, he said, come and let us return unto the Lord, to the true God and eternal life. For he hath torn, he will heal us. He has smitten, he will bind us up. After the second day, he will revive us. Now, everyone knows that a day with the Lord is as a thousand years. So, after the second day, he will revive us. Revival has been, and many talk about Azusa Street. They were going back and pray to go back to Azusa, but we don't strongly disagree. This is a new thing, higher in glory than Azusa, than actually the book of Acts, when they first received the Holy Ghost in the embryonic church. There in the day of Pentecost was fully come. Well, Passover, unleavened bread, and first fruits have been revealed in the Gospel of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. There, Jesus, the Passover lamb, was sacrificed for us. He was then buried, the feast of unleavened bread. He's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. And then he's the first begotten from the dead, that in all things he'd have the preeminence. There he is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Then we go to the book of Acts. As these feasts of the Lord are Moed, they're divine appointments of God with man. And these are shadow of things to come. They have a shadow of things to come in the feast of the Lord. They're not the feast of Israel. They're not the feast of the church. They are the feast of the Lord. And this is how we eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood. Not through just one feast, but seven feasts of the Lord, which the Lord has completed all things, and all things are complete in him. It is finished. That is from the Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits, Death, Burial, and Resurrection of Jesus. Then the Feast of Weeks, or seven Shivas, seven sevens, and on the morrow, which is Pentecost, 50 days after first fruits. There we have, Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me, that you shall receive power not many days hence. There they ask Jesus at that time, will you at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? Are you making the Genesis 12 promise to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph that all nations of the earth will be blessed in Israel? Are you setting up your kingdom now where you will set up on the throne of David and rule for a thousand years? 
fulfilling the promise there, the word of God in Psalm 132.11, the Lord hath sworn unto David in truth and will not turn from it, that of the fruit of thy body, David, will I, God, set upon thy throne, and he will. But they were asking Jesus at that time, is this the time you're going to restore that kingdom to Israel? according to the promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob uh, through the fathers and Genesis 12 that all the nations of the world would be blessed in Israel. But the Lord said, it's not for you to know the appointed times that God has put in his, in his power. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you and you shall be witnesses unto me. Now, witnesses there is the same word in the Greek for mortars, literally sealing your testimony with your own blood. If a man believes something, he will believe it unto death, literally not changing, but sealing his testimony with his own blood. For if a man believes in it, he will die for it. Therefore, he said, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. They were in that upper room for another 10 days. 40 days after his passion, he was seen alive by as many as 500 brethren at one time. Then he told them to wait for that promise. And as they waited in the upper room, there was a 120. In the upper room, Mary, the mother of Jesus, according to the flesh, was in that upper room also. She had to have the Holy Ghost in order to be saved. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But if the Spirit that dwells in Jesus also dwells in you, it shall quicken or make alive your mortal body. There in that upper room, the Holy Ghost was given on the day of Pentecost. Very important. Acts 2, the verse, first verse And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, not a second early, not a second late, but exactly right on time. The Feast of the Lord is mentioned in Leviticus 23. Three seasons, seven feasts. The three seasons Passover, that is uh, the Feast of Passover having three feasts in it. Feast of Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread, Feast of First Fruits. We see that literally completed in the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel according to Luke, and the gospel according to John. Then, that is the first three feasts in the first season. Then we go to the second season of Shabbat, uh, Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, seven Shivas, seven sevens, and on the morrow, you shall number seven uh Weeks, uh, seven times seven, forty-nine, and on the morrow, fifty Pentecost. Well, that is the second season or the fourth feast in the Feast of Weeks. And that Feast of Weeks, first of all, you would take a wave sheaf without leaven and wave it before the Lord. But on that Feast of uh, of, of Shavuot. At Feast of Passover was one sheaf, singular sheaf, without leaven weighed before the Lord. Feast of Passover. 
But then in the feast of uh, that feast of weeks, you would take two sheaves and with leaven and wave before the Lord. Why? Because there would be leaven there. There's only one sinless, spotless man that ever lived, and that is our Lord Jesus Christ. There in the Pentecostal, there was wave she's with leaven way before the Lord. Why? Because all of sin sin and come short of the glory of God. Any man says he has not sinned, uh, the truth is not any. Therefore, we receive the Holy Ghost in that feast of Pentecost. Now, that's the fourth feast in the second season. Then a long time elapsed. And as it lapses from uh, the feast of Pentecost, Shabbat, then we go to the third season of Sukkoth, the feast of tabernacles. In that season of tabernacles, there are three feasts of the Lord. The three feasts of the Lord are the feast of trumpets, the Rosh Hashanah. Then we have Yom Kippur, uh, Day of Atonement. And, of course, then the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Sukkoth. There we have seven feasts of the Lord, which no generation has ever partaken of all seven feasts. But there will be one generation that will be counted for the seed that will partake of all seven feasts of the Lord, that God had provided some better thing for us that they, all that died in faith, having never received the promise, should not be made perfect without us. And there we find that they, and died in faith, having never received the promise, they had this uh, testimony that they were looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. And they said, here on the earth we have no continuing city. They, as these all died in faith, having never received the promise. Hebrews 11. So now we're in that third season. In that third season, we find in Tishri, Ethneim, that seventh month, that we find the Feast of Trumpets, the ministry voice of Jesus. Now, that ministry voice of Jesus will be the voice of the Almighty God, the voice of a multitude, the voice of an host, the voice as of many waters, and there, everything that God does, he does and signals us with a trumpet, trumpet voice of God. The thunder, they all heard it thunder as he first descended upon Mount Sinai. In Hebrews 12, it tells us that God's voice then shook the earth in Sinai. And Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. They entreated Moses, let us not hear this voice of the Lord. You let, let the Lord tell you and you tell us. For the mountain shook, burned with fire. And Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. And at that point, it says then, that the voice of the Lord shook the earth. But now, yet once more hath promised that he will not shake the earth only, but also heaven. All heaven also? Yes. Not the earth only, but also heaven. 
that all that can be shaken may be removed as of things that are made. Every man-made organization, every man-made doctrine, every man-made doctrine of dogmas and uh, chisms and catechisms that has been uh, devised by man will literally be destroyed. Why? That all that cannot be shaken may remain. There's the remnant of her seed. They keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus. For we which remain there, that is, after the shaking. Well, we find in Amos 9, verse 9, there's a shaking going on among the nations. And not the least grain will fall to the ground. God will lose none of his. But he says in the very next verse, Amos 9, 10, I will destroy all the sinners of my people. That's very important. By the sword. That sword is the judgment of God. And judgment must first begin at the house of God. And if it begins at the house of God and the righteous scarcely be saved, that means with difficulty, with tribulation, where shall the end of the sinner and the ungodly appear? He said, I'll destroy all the sinners of my people by the sword, which say no evil, no tribulation, no trouble shall prevent nor overtake us. Mr. Babylon the Great, the mother of hearts and abomination of the earth said, I said a queen, I am no widow and I will see no sorrow. I will have no birth pains. I will have no tribulation or persecution. Because of that, God said, the sinners of my people will be cut off by the sword. Now, Jesus said, what? You think I come to send peace on the earth, but rather a sword to set man at variance, a father against the son, mother against her daughter, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law. So what we're saying there, that at this time, God's doing a new thing, not revival as usual. And as we look, In Zechariah 10, verse 1, ask you of the Lord rain in the time of the latter rain. So the Lord will make bright clouds send forth showers to everyone grass in the field. And Haggai 2, he talks about the 21st day of the seventh month, Tishri, which is the Feast of Trumpets, and Day of Atonement, and we have the Feast of Tabernacles, and it's in the seventh month, and 21st day of the month is that seventh day of Tabernacles. And notice he says, during that time, he said, I'll shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. Then he says, all the silver and the gold is mine, and I'll make the glory of the latter house greater than that of the former. The former house is in the former reign in Acts, the second chapter. In that time of Pentecost, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, And they were in one mind and one accord, and suddenly it came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And cloven tongues of fire appeared. They could see it and set on each one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Ghost and began to prophesy, speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. These tongues, there in Acts 2, the fourth verse, is the receiving of that Holy Ghost and that Feast of Weeks. That is 
death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. He said, now wait for that promise of the Father. That is the Holy Ghost. He is the Father of glory, which is none other than Jesus Christ. Because Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you've heard of me. He told his disciples, while I'm in the world, I, I dwell with you. In the days of his flesh, he told his disciples, I, I dwell with you. I'll pray the Father, send you another comforter, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you. I'm with you now, and I shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, Jesus said. I will come to you. That's exactly what he did. He came on that day of Pentecost, Christ in you, Jesus in you, the hope of glory. Now, during this time, that was Pentecost. Now, we've gone all the way now. A long time lapses. Now we're coming to the Feast of Trumpets, coming to the third season. And that's exactly what we see in the timetable of the Lord according to his, his appointments with us, his moed, the divine appointments of God with man, as, uh, as depicted and told to us in the Feast of the Lord, Leviticus 23. But we find in the Feast of Trumpets, and the feast of uh, uh, the Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, the feast of weeks, the feast of trumpets, day of atonement, and the feast of tabernacles are but shadows of things to come. We find that that Paul tells us that all these are shadow of things that were to come for us, for our examples. Therefore, in that feast of trumpets. It's the ministry voice of Jesus. It's the work of the ministry. It's not revival. We find in Hosea 6, Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, he will heal us. He hath smitten, he will bind us up. After this second day, the day of the Lord has a thousand years. It's been two thousand years or two days since the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus and gone to heaven and receiving the Holy Ghost in the former reign, Acts the second chapter. After the second day, I'll revive you. Well, there's been many revivals and awakenings. But in the third day, it changes. Higher glory. In the third day, I will raise you up. And you will live in my sight. Now, no man's seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. He is the only begotten Son, the monogamous Euos. Or the, in many versions, it'll say in the manuscripts, the only begotten God, monogamous theos. Both are correct. For the Son is the Father revealed, one and the self-same Spirit. Now, for us to have that revelation in the height, depth, length, and width of Christ, that Christ first and foremost is that Spirit, that God will do a work of judgment for one reason only, famine, pestilence, sword, and noisome beast for one reason, that you may know that I am God, Jesus said. Beside me there is no other God. Is this not sealed up? There's your sealing. Sealed up among my treasures, Deuteronomy 32. And it says, oh, that they were wise that they would consider their latter end. Consider 
to reckon it up, to know it. For the Lord will judge his people. Judgment begins at the house of God. In the prophet Jeremiah, the first vision he saw as a prophet to the nations. What seest thou, Jeremiah? He said, I see a rod of an almond tree. The rod rod of an almond tree, God had told Jeremiah, thou hast well seen, I will hasten my word to perform it. What is that rod? It's a rod of the stem of Jesse, of an almond tree. That's a rod of Luz, is that priesthood. Aaron's rod budded, brought forth almonds. Almonds is Luz, which is Bethel was first called love. Bethel, the house of God, was first called Luz. So he's telling us there, it's the rod of the stem of Jesse, that rod that Moses lifted up and to part the Red Sea, that rod is nothing but the Holy Ghost. Moses didn't part it. It was the blast of the nostrils of God. And the Red Sea, the Reed Sea, stood upon its banks, and Israel went over dry shod. It was not Moses doing those miracles. It was Jesus Christ, Jesus only. We see that in Matthew 17 on the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses, Elijah, and Jesus. But after they rose uh, there, Peter, James, and John, great terror fell upon them. But when they, when they rose and the dust settled, they saw Jesus only. It was not Moses doing the judgment miracles. It was Jesus only. It was not Elijah doing the kingdom miracles. It was Jesus only. And, of course, Jesus in the days, days of his flesh did redemption miracles only. So the ministry voice is going to be a radical change from what we know as revival. Will thou not revive us again, O God? In the midst of the week, will thou not revive us again? The revival there is revivos. It's to raise something up that was dead, but this is a new thing, something that has never, ever been done before. God said, I will do a new thing. A woman shall compass a man. We find that in Revelation 12. The only way a woman can compass a man is have the man-child in the womb. And through all the anguish that a woman has, Jesus said that all that time of sorrow, and she goes through the pain, but when she delivers a man-child, She does not remember all the anguish and the sorrow that she went through because she has birthed a man-child, the joy of it. We are in that same, right there in the prophetic calendar that God is going to do a new thing, not revival. It will be such a new thing, such a radical change from what we know in the former reign, in the last great reign of his strength, It will be not only the redemption miracles of Jesus, but the judgment miracles that he worked through Moses in the latter sign. The first sign, he threw that rod down. It became a serpent, a snake. Moses took it up by the the end of it. He always let the, the mouth, the business end, be God. And he picked up the tail of the serpent and it came back to a rod. 
we find Janice and Jambres, the magicians, did the same in the beginning in Egypt. But when it comes down to the gods of Egypt, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, destroyed all the gods of Egypt. And he will, in Zephaniah 2, uncovering the seed of work, will destroy all the gods of this earth. Everything that has been set up by man and the work of man's hands and everything that has exalted itself against Christ will be brought down. And everything he's ever done in the word of God in the last days will be revealed again. And not only the redemption miracles of Jesus, heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out devils, open blind eyes, loose the dumb tongue, the lame walk, and captain went free. Blessed is he, whomsoever is not offended in me. But also the judgment miracles of Moses in destroying the gods of Egypt. He will do the same again. This is a strange work of God when he brings to pass his act, his strange act, bring to pass his work, his strange work. The overflowing scourge has to have surprised the hypocrite. And it says there are these things that he's going to do that don't don't speak against it, lest your heart, your reins of your heart be hardened. He'll harden your heart. For I have heard of the Lord of hosts, a consumption decreed upon the whole earth. O earth, 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 hear ye the word of the Lord. The consumption decreed will overflow in righteousness. Now that Isaiah 28 tells us about that work. That work in the ministry voice of Jesus is not revival. That is the ministry of Jesus and the work of the ministry, which is a strange work, bringing to pass his act, his strange act. Don't mock at it, lest your bands and bands of your heart be made strong. For I've heard of the Lord of hosts, a consumption decreed upon the whole earth. This consumption is exactly what we see in Hebrews 12 in the consuming fire for our God is a consuming fire and everything that's not in him and who can dwell in that fire only he that is upright he that is righteous he that is holy so there is a time of sanctification a time of sealing a time that we in the feast of trumpets in the ten days of awe in introspection searching ourselves to see whether Christ be in us or not, lest we be reprobate. Now, somebody said, well, I've got the Holy Ghost. I've got Christ in me. But are we obeying Christ? We can't just uh, draw near to him with our mouth and our heart be far from him. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things I tell you? So obedience is required. And that's what we want to say here in this podcast and focus on obedience for in Romans 5 it says that grace reigns through righteousness well we think righteousness that's just imputed without us in obedience there is positional sanctification positional redemption because we have repented been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ 
for the remission of our sins. The body, the sins of the flesh has been destroyed. The heart circumcised. Uh, there, Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, 10 through 12. We can see that by baptism through the circumcision made without hands, through the body, the sins of the flesh cut off by that circumcision of Christ through faith in the operation of God with that he, when he raised him from the dead. A spiritual operation. God took a spiritual scaffold, cut off the foreskin of our hearts. How? Colossians 2.12, by baptism. That's the only way a man can believe with the heart. Not with the intellect, not with the mind, not with the volition, but believe of the heart. Confession is made with the mouth, but that heart, believe in his heart that God raised him from the dead. And so there, uh, he that believeth that uh, Christ was rose from the dead, and the mouth is made with confession unto salvation. Well, with the, ma- with the heart man believeth. That heart is a spirit. How do you believe in your heart? Not with your mind. Well, the heart has to be circumcised. We find that in Romans 2, 28 and 29. He is not a Jew that is one outwardly in the circumcision of the flesh, but he is a Jew that is one inwardly. Circumcision of the heart in the spirit, whose praise is not a man but of God. We find in Romans 6, 1 through 4, that's by baptism, and that's water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, Acts 2, 38, uh, Acts 4, 12, Acts 8, 16, Acts 10, Cornelius' house, uh, Acts 19, the believers there that were only baptized by John the Baptist, baptism of repentance, not knowing that there's six more feasts other than repentance. That first is that feast of uh, Passover. Well, the feast of Passover there is the death of Jesus. Then he was buried. That's unleavened bread. Buried with him how? In baptism. Go to the second feast. How are you buried with him? Buried with him by baptism. Romans 6, 1 through 4, Colossians 2, 10 through 12. Then you're raised to the newness of life, a new creature. Why? Because the body, the sins of the flesh, of the heart have been cut off. A spiritual circumcision. Circumcised means to cut off that body, the sins of the flesh by baptism. That's born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, Acts 2.38. That's born of the Spirit. If you've done those four feasts, then you have repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. You have partaken of four feasts of the Lord. Now we're entering into the fifth feast of the Lord in that final season of God. And in that three times a year, all the men will appear before God in the place where he has placed his name. Mandatory that you be there in the Feast of Tabernacles. That Feast of Tabernacles is a season we're in now. How do we know that? It says Hosea 6, come and let us return to the Lord. For he hath torn, he will heal us. He has smitten, he will bind us up. The chastening of the Lord. There, if any be without the chastisement, then he is a bastard. He's not a son, but he is a bastard. Uh, There, no chastisement at the present time seemeth to be joyous. But afterward, yields yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. What does it yield? The peaceable fruits of righteousness. He came, proceeded from the Father. He is the Father revealed in the earth and went back to the Father. 
Well, that's righteousness. The forerunner has already entered in. Now he's shown us the way, the truth, and life in his own flesh. By Jesus, the Spirit of God, being made of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. And under his law, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son made of a woman, made it under the law to redeem us that were under the law. There, Jesus, even though God is manifest in the flesh, the law was still there and had to be fulfilled. Jesus did that as a man. By making himself of no reputation, laid aside his glory, made himself of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6, and took upon him the form of a servant. Who is that servant? Isaiah 43, 10. Thus saith the Lord, that's the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, that's the invisible spirit, the Father of glory, and my servant whom I have chosen. Sounds like there's two. Now it seems right to a man, but then there are the ways of death. Because now God says that you may know and believe me and understand. Believe God. Not a denomination, not a prophet, not an apostle, not a bishop. Believe God. That you may know and believe me and understand that I, the Lord, am he, that servant. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. God formed himself that body of flesh and blood. And he came in under the law. Who is that? God says, I am the Lord, thy Redeemer. God, thy Savior. You see that, that I am God, and beside me there is none other Savior. There is no other God beside me. And there we have this sealed up among God's treasures in Deuteronomy 32. That the Lord will judge his people and repent himself of the evil. The evil there is wrought, tribulation, persecution. When he sees their power is gone, not Holy Ghost power, their power is gone. Man has come to the end of himself. Now he's going to enter into the rest. He has ceased from his own labors to enter into the rest of God, the rest of the Holy Ghost. And there's none shut up or left. That is that man, everything is made plain. The Lord will judge his people. For why? What reason? That you may know that I am he. That I am God, then there is no other God beside me. See now that I, even I, am he. And there is no other God. So Jesus will reveal that he is the only true God in eternal life. There is no God Jr. There is no Lord Jr., there is no Jehovah Junior that Jesus is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. Jesus Jehovah is salvation. And that's the whole reason for all the judgments of God in the earth. The famine, the pestilence, the sword and noisome beast, my four sword judgments that I sent among the men, the earth, that men will know that he is, all mankind will know that he is God from the least to the greatest will know that the Lord God, he is God. For as the waters cover the, the sea, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall be known in all the world as the waters cover the sea through the judgments of God for that judgments are made manifest. So that's where we are now. We have coronavirus. We have COVID-19. 
we have earthquakes in these diverse places, more now than there's ever been, and it is escalating. Uh, it, is, it is becoming more and more prevalent in earthquakes in diverse places and the fault lines. Uh, we're finding that fires all over uh, the various nations, not just in California, Oregon, Canada. Uh, we find it in Spain. We find it in Russia. We find it in all over the continent. God's doing these things. And shall there be evil in the city? And I, the Lord God, had not done it. Shall there be trouble there? And God said, I have not done it. He's done all these things. Why? To get us to return to him. Now, we see that in uh, Hosea 6, verse 1 through 4. Come and let us return to the Lord. Not Lord Jr., the Lord. That Jesus is the Lord God Almighty. And every knee will bow and confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty to the glory of the Father. He didn't go to the Son. He went to the glory of the Father. There, he said, I have torn, I will heal, I have smitten you, I will bind you up. After the second day, I'll revive you. We've had many revivals. But in the third day, that third day is where we are now. In that third millennium. In that 2000 and on. In the third day, I will raise you up and you will live in my sight. If we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. Now many that will overcome will receive that morning star and a rod to rule the nations. As a vessel of a potter shall they be beat to shivers. And I'll give him the morning star. If we follow on to know the Lord, his going forth is prepared as the morning. And he will come to us as the rain. Former, Acts the second chapter, and the latter in the first month. That latter rain is the last great rain of his strength. And that's the ministry voice of Jesus. And it's through the ceiling that we stand. And there's various levels of ceiling. If you've tuned into the podcast, then you know that there is newborn babes. They desire, then sincere mark of the word, they may grow thereby. But they're unskillful in the word of righteousness. Hebrews 5, Paul said so. He said the newborn babes, when you need to be teachers, you ought to be teachers. You have need again to be taught the first principles of the oracles of God, of the four oracles of Christ. And that Hebrews 6, it said, come and let us go on uh, unto perfection. Go unto perfection. Somebody said, I don't think we're going to be perfect until the rapture, until we learn this in a sweet by and by. No, friend. We're the state you're in here when you are caught up to meet the Lord in the air and we will ever, forever be with the Lord wherefore comfort you one another with these words. It will be the same state of glory that you're in now. That as a tree, where the tree falleth, there it shall lie. Whether in or whether in disobedience. So we find uh, that sanctification is required in sealing in from faith to faith, from glory to glory, in the various stages of growth unto perfection. Now, we're going to see some verses here, and I want to read them to you. And in 2 Thessalonians, when God talks, and Paul's telling us about this 
this charity abounding one toward another, brethren. And your faith groweth exceedingly. That church in the final state is going to have such a glory from faith to faith, from glory to glory, to the final, the final step in that of charity. And charity is the bond of perfectness. It's the guarantee of perfectness. Charity is not love. It's not just love. Charity is the love for God based in doing his word in obedience to his will for our life. That's charity. Charity is not just I love God and I don't do the works that accompany salvation. I don't bring forth any works that glorify my Lord Jesus in heaven. So therefore, you have to add to your faith virtue. Virtue is a virtuous woman. You don't, you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You stay true to God. You add to your faith virtue, virtue, knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Everyone's heard that. That's knowledge not of the world, but the knowledge of God. That you may know the height, depth, length, and width of Christ. And then from knowledge, then temperance. He that uh, strives for the mastery must be temperate, self-controlled in all things. Temperance, patience. That after you've done the will of God, you have need of patience. That patience have a perfect work. That you may feel, receive a full reward. And then patience, godliness. That's the God life. That God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Now Christ is in us. God worketh in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. We must do his will. There, from godliness, brotherly kindness. We have to add that to it. And brotherly kindness, finally, charity. And charity will cover a multitude of sins. Why? Because it's blood flow. It's actually the blood flow that you have love for the brother and doing a will of God that covers a multitude of sins. It's blood flow. It's not that, well, here's charity and that stands to sin. It is a God life that that walks in the, uh, the life of the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, that it will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And that, by the Spirit of Christ that's in you, not of us, not the works of the law, the righteousness, uh, which is mine own righteousness, Paul said, but the righteousness of God by faith. Now, grace reigns through righteousness. That's Romans 5. That as sin reigned by death, so now grace reigns through righteousness. Now we're saved by grace through faith. But faith without works is dead, being alone. But it's Christ that worketh in us, both the will and the do of his good pleasure. So it's not us, but Christ in us. That's the reason Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now this is the faith that God has dealt to every man there, but it has to be obeyed. Therefore, faith, we grow from faith to faith, from glory to glory, and what we do, the true life that lighteth every man that cometh into the world, that light, he died for everyone, but the ones that do not obey in obedience, trust in, adhere to, and obey will not receive, even though the gift is there. 
they will not make heaven. And hell was not prepared for mankind. Hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was never meant for us to go there. But we go there as being disobedient in these ungodly sins that we've ungodly committed, literally being convicted and saying ourselves that we have, uh, we're guilty of this, committed these ungodly sins, which we've ungodly committed, being convinced of our own selves that we missed the mark. So therefore, in Second Thessalonians, Paul then goes on and tells, because the first letter to Thessalonica, they thought the Lord was coming, the imminent return, any second Jesus is going to come, not realizing there's some things that have to take place in uh, this reconciliation or restitution of all things, restoration before he comes. We find that in Acts 3.21. It said the heavens must receive Jesus for how long? Until the times of the restoration or restitution of all things. What's all things? The things of faith. The Holy Ghost is leading us and got us into all truth. Well, what is that truth? The truth is faith that he has dealt to us, that we know all things and we know all truth, no lies of the truth. It's to know him and the power of that resurrection through faith. And the faith there has to be received and literally trusted and adhered to and obeyed in order to obtain it. That's the reason grace reigns through righteousness. Jesus is is the father of glory, he proceeded from the Father and came into the world. Manifest. No man seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, the only begotten God, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. There, he is the express image of the invisible God. He is the express image of his singular person. Hebrews 1, verse 1 through 3. So Jesus is God manifests in the flesh, in the days of his flesh. Now, how do we know that the person is of God and not a false prophet? Any spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. Is come, present in perfect tense, means he is still coming in the flesh, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that is a key stigma. 606, Jesus Christ is still coming in the flesh. Well, what is the mark of the beast? The number of a man. Well, that number of the beast is the number of a man, which is key. It's a symbol in the Greek ABCDRA, key, Z, stigma. He wrote three symbols there. In the gematria of key, Z, stigma, key, C-H-I, is the number of Christ, 600. Stigma, six, is the number of man. Jesus Christ it's come in the flesh. It's key stigma. But the mark of the beast is 60, Z-X-I. It's written as a coil snake ready to strike. And it's key Z stigma. Christ is not come in the flesh. And that is the mark of the beast, which is an antichrist. So any spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh, is uh, an antichrist. 
is not of God is that spirit of Antichrist, which 1 John 4, verse 1 through 3 says it's already in the world, denying that Jesus uh, is, is come, not has come, is come in the flesh. And that's original manuscripts. Now, some of the new Bibles and the new translations out there are going to have Jesus Christ has come in the flesh, which is a wrong transliteration. Jesus Christ is come in the flesh. Present in perfect tense is a manuscript, and he's still coming in the flesh. That's the key stigma, 606. Now, therefore, there is a work of the ministry, and that he that overcometh the end, the same shall be saved. So they thought the imminent return at the church at Thessalonica by the letter that Paul wrote to them that Jesus was just coming any minute. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, the trump of God, the dead in Christ shall rise first. We which are alive and remain shall be caught up together and meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort you one another with these words. They thought, well, the Lord is coming any second. So Paul then said, well, they don't understand the day of Christ that there is some things that has to happen first. So he goes on and tells them about your faith is growing exceedingly, the charity of every one of you aboundeth one toward another. You have reached there from adding to your faith, virtue, virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness, godliness, brotherly kindness, brotherly kindness, charity. You've gone there. You have fully grown, and that charity aboundeth one toward another, brethren. We're bound to thank God for you and all your persecution and tribulation that you endure. Why? Which is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. A token? A sign of the righteous judgment of God? Yes. Why? That you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. Not just having the Holy Ghost. We're not talking about that. Christ in you, the hope of glory, you receive the Holy Ghost, but he's talking about the kingdom age. Not the dispensation of grace, but the dispensation of the kingdom, the age of the dispensation of the kingdom of the millennial reign of Jesus Christ where he will reign and rule in the earth for 1,000 years. And to be accounted worthy of that is this persecution, tribulation that you endure. It's a manifest token of that righteous judgment of God. So I said, well, I'm not going through that. And then something's wrong. All that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. Then he goes on to say, now, the second chapter, that that day of Christ, let no man trouble you, as that that day of Christ is at hand, are the coming of the Lord and are gathering together unto him, for that day will not come until there comes a falling away first. Well, the Spirit speaketh expressly, 1 Timothy 4, 1, that some shall depart from the faith. Somebody says, once saved, always saved. No, not if you don't continue in faith. There is a sin unto death and a sin not unto death. All run righteousness is sin. But there is a sin unto death and to whom much is given, much is required. And John said, I say not, in his epistle, I say not that you should pray for the sin unto death. Therefore, he said there, and uh, uh, that falling away first, that first Timothy 4 verse 1, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. 
given heed, given heed to what? Seducing spirits, doctrines of devils. Having a conscience sealed with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and standing from, from meats with God is sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Well, these evil men and seducers are waxing worse and worse and many false prophets are going out into the land and bringing up these various doctrines and, uh, you know, uh, that God is not God alone, that Jesus Christ is not the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. It's a false doctrine. And we find that in Revelation 16, 13. These are three unclean spirits like frogs. They're the spirits of devils working miracles. Working miracles, yes. He said so. Spirits of devils working miracles come out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Well, there are three spirits. If you divide the spirit of God, of which there is one body, one spirit, Ephesians 4. Not different persons. There's only one person of God, and Jesus is that express person, express image of his person. There's no other revelation of God except Jesus, who is God manifest. He is that Father of glory. And then John 8, 24, they said, where's your father? Jesus said, except you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. That's required. You have to give him the glory. That's due unto his name. We believe in the name of the son of God. What is that? Jesus. It isn't G's junior sus. Not Jesus junior. It's Jesus. Jehovah is salvation. He is the Lord God Almighty that wrought salvation, the Lord our Redeemer. And you see it in Isaiah 42, Isaiah 43, Isaiah 44, on and on. He is the Lord our Redeemer. There's not another. Deuteronomy 6, 4 of Shema. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, not two. But somebody said, the Lord said unto my Lord, there's only one Lord there. The Lord, that invisible spirit, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, wrought salvation in and of himself. And he said, the Lord said unto my Lord. That is God, who has made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant. And that servant is under the law, fashioned as a man. God himself fashioned as a man. And as that, he's fulfilling his own law as a man. That's the reason Jesus could not start his ministry until age 30 because the law states the high priest in Numbers 4 will not take that office of a high priest until age 30. Well, Jesus, in fulfilling his own law as a man, could not start his ministry until about the age of 30, fulfilling his own law. And therefore, God worked salvation in and of himself by his own. He said, I look for a man. He wondered that there was no man. Because all that sin comes short of the glory of God, none good, no, not one. All uh, there were conceived in sin, shaping in iniquity. That uh, were after Adam, and, and you know, had the uh, Adamic nature. But he was a seed of the woman. Uh, that Genesis three fifteen, proto evangel, Hamashiach, the Messiah, the Christ. Well, that he there is that Christ. He is that Spirit that literally 
offered himself as Christ, and what's born in the city of David, Christ the Lord. Who's the Lord? Lord Jehovah God Almighty. That, but he made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant, made in the likeness of man, and as a man fulfilled his law, then took that law, and while he's fulfilling that law, even though he is God, he's fulfilling the law as a man, because by one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. The Lord said, I am that servant. Isaiah 43.10. So, he has to pray to the Father because he's fulfilling the law in our stead as our propitiation, as our sacrifice, as our showing us the way, the truth, and the life, what we must do in order to obtain that salvation. It is a free gift. Sure it is. We didn't die on the cross. He did. But we have to obey that spirit that he gives us, which is him, Christ in you, Jesus in you, the hope of glory. That has to be obeyed. And the obedience, then, is sanctification. And we find here in Second Thessalonians that he tells us, John, uh, John talked about that uh, in John 16, he reproved the world of sin, of righteousness, and of, and of judgment. God himself, when he sends his spirit, Jesus said, I will not leave you coverless. I will come to you. So when the Holy Ghost has come, he will prove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me, Jesus said. Of righteousness because I go to my Father. He came from the Father. He went back to the Father. Came from God, went back to God. That's righteousness. And grace reigns through righteousness. So without that revelation, that righteousness, that Jesus is the Father, that came to the world and manifested himself as a body of flesh and blood, as the Son of God. The Father revealed. You've seen me, you've seen the Father. John 10, 30. Then, there is no grace. Grace comes at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That revelation of Jesus Christ is essential, urgent for salvation. For grace comes to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, and you can go on to verse 15, 16, 17, that that grace comes to us at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And grace reigns through what? Through righteousness. Wow. Well, because Jesus has already made the way. Everything he did to show us the way, the truth, and the life, they're coming as a, a, a poor he didn't come to us as God uh, uh, there with uh, chariots, ivory chariots, and spoke wheels. Uh, he came there, uh, there as a carpenter. He came in the lowliest of flesh and took that way from there all the way up, glorifying his own human back to himself. And there, the only way that we can sanctify ourselves is through the truth. Sanctify them, sanctify yourself through the truth. Thy word is truth. So it's only through the word of God we can sanctify ourselves. Jesus said, I sanctify myself, in other words, as an Adam made literally after the fall. Jesus was one just like us. Then in all things he was made like unto his brethren. He was tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. Hebrews 4.15. Showing us the way truth and the life. 
glorifying his own human back to himself. And that required, uh, he said, I sanctify myself. That they would be sanctified, what? Through me. He's already shown us the way, the truth, the life, and the way that we should walk. We should walk as Jesus walked. Walk in the light as he is in the light. Therefore, Jesus is the way, the truth, and life, and therefore has shown us the way, the truth, and life as a man just like us, made and under the law to redeem us that were under the law. Then after he has fulfilled the law, been tempted at all points like as we are yet without sin, then he said, Father, glorify me with thine own self with the glory I had with you, before the foundation of the world. I took it off and laid aside my glory, made a self-imposed limitation upon myself, made myself of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6, to work as a man so I could redeem them. That servant is God Almighty. I am he. We find that in Isaiah 43, 10, Philippians 2, 6 through 8, that that is how God works salvation in and of himself, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. That now shows us the way, the truth, and life. And because he sanctified himself as a man, made it under the law, he now, we can do and work salvation through his spirit that's in us. Not of, not of the works of the law, but by the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. But the works that accompany salvation, which is called sanctification, redemption, justification, sanctification, and ultimate glorification. So therefore, we're back, Paul said, for whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Why? That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And those that he predestinated, them he called. Them that he called, he also justified. And those that he justified, he also glorified to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That is not an instant Jesus, instant sanctification. It takes time of being con- not conformed to this world, but being transformed through obedience, uh, through faith and obedience to the Spirit of God, growing up into him in all things. It is a process called sanctification. So Paul there telling about the coming of Christ and our gathering together unto him. In 2 Thessalonians 2 said, there would be a falling away first, a man of sin would be revealed, who opposeth all that is God or that is worship, so that he as God setteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God, capital G-O-D, and that's not a physical temple, Iron. It is naos, a spiritual temple, which temple we are. He will do the same. We find in Pergamos, that's where Satan's seat is. There, and our seat, we're seated together in heavenly places. The devil sits on not only the front row of the church in assembly, but behind the pulpit. So it's very important that we do not follow false prophets and deceivers and wicked men and evil men in the last days. And this only is through Christ and the leading of the Holy Ghost. Now, with that said, Paul goes on and sells the church at Thessalonica that that day won't come away. They come the falling away first. The man of sin would be revealed. 
only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. That is not the Holy Ghost. That is the law of the land that God has put down there of every power that be is ordained of God. But that will be removed. And it will be total chaos. Then there comes a little horn. He comes great with a small people, obtains the kingdom by flatteries. And by peace shall destroy many. He'll be the answer to peace for the one world government, the 21 agenda, the 2030 agenda, uh, the one world government, the United Nations, as it is proceeding right now. So we're at the time of the end. We know that, the last days. But if we're talking about sealing, getting sealed now, how do you do that? The him that overcometh the end, the same shall be saved. Then Matthew 24, Mark 13, Luke 21. Well, how do you know to overcome well, the first level is those newborn babes. But they're unskillful in the word of righteousness. They don't know they're, they're, they grow up into him and all things. So, not a novice, lest by being lifted up in pride, he falls into condemnation of the devil. Don't throw someone that just come out there and, and got baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and repentance, receive the Holy Ghost and throw them behind a pulpit. They're going to be lifted up in pride. They're going to fall into condemnation of the devil. They won't stand no time. So our faith has to be tried as by fire that it come forth as pure gold. And that requires experience. So therefore, be therefore perfect, Jesus said. It is not something that's impossible. He expects it. It is mandatory. So therefore, he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry. And that's what we're striving for. There in 2 Thessalonians, Paul said, Only he who now let it will let, till he be taken out of the way, and then shall that wicked one be revealed. That rapture's not yet. Because he said that day won't come until that wicked one be revealed. That book will be revealed, set in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. This is a strong delusion that God himself is sending. If the prophet be deceived, God said, I, the Lord God, has deceived that prophet, and I will destroy him. Why? Because he's answering you to your heart. Where your treasure is, treasure is, there's your heart also. You're to set your affections on the things above, not on things believe. There we go. Sanctification. It is not being conformed to this world, but you transform the sanctification. So he goes on and says, that wicked one be revealed. That only he who will now let it let until he be taken out of the way. That's the world of governments. That restrains or holds back. And that's the reason why they want a one world government. And as it does, and he deceiveth the whole world, than whom the Lord shall literally, well, literally destroy with the brightness of his coming out of the sword out of his mouth and will consume with the brightness of his coming. Now, I want you to take a look here in Second Thessalonians as we read. And he says, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power. That's Second Thessalonians, the second chapter, and verse 9 with all power and signs 
and lying wonders. Signs, all power signs and lying wonders. These are false. They're, they're false prophets, false apostles. They are the very deceitful and God is the one sending the strong delusion. In Jeremiah 4, Jeremiah says, Lord, it is if you have deceived this people saying peace and behold, the sword reacheth unto the soul. The sword is a sword of judgment. Judgment beginning at the house of God. Notice, somebody said, if, you find, you know, if you're looking for a sign, an evil adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. The signs follow them that believe, not the other way around. And he says here, and with all, this is Satan, even him, with all deceivableness of unrighteousness, everything against that Jesus is God that showed us the way. Oh, he's the second person of the Godhead. He's God Jr., not giving him the glory of the Father that he is. John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him shall not perish but have everlasting life. The only begotten son is the only begotten God. He is that servant and that is Isaiah 43, 10. 1 John 3, 16, hereby, hereby perceive we the love of God. How do we perceive the love of God? Because he, God himself, laid down his life for us. Therefore, we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Then he says, because they receive not the love of the truth, at sanctification, sanctify them through thy truth, Thy word is truth, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause, who's sending this strong delusion? God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned. This is heaven or hell. This is the righteous versus the wicked, the holy from the profane, those that serve God versus that those do not serve God. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now watch what he says here to the church. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, because, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning, that was in the foreknowledge of God, chosen you to salvation. How? Through just asking Jesus to come into your heart? No. Through saying the sinner's prayer? Through some act and that's it? No. Chosen you to salvation through sanctification. It's through the sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. Now, that belief doesn't mean I believe it. It means that I believe it. They're trusting in it. I adhere to it. And I obey it. So Romans 6 tells us that even though we have the Holy Ghost, whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him are the servants to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness and then unto holiness. Follow peace with all men and holiness 
without which no man shall see the Lord. We have to grow up into him in all things. Notice it says here, whereunto he called you by our gospel, to what? To the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, it's not stopping in justification, redemption, justification. Don't stop there. Go through sanctification unto glorification. And without that, belief of the truth and obedience unto righteousness, no man will say the Lord. So we go from newborn babes that desire then sincere milk of the word. They can't handle strong meat. The milk of the word that they may grow thereby. Paul said, when I was a child, I understood as a child. When I became a man, I put away these childish things. Well, not a baby. Then the next one is little children. Child. So I'll write to you little children. Why? Because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I write to you little children because you've known the Father. If you know that Jesus is the Father, now you went from babies to little children. Now we're talking about the next step. That comes through sanctification and belief of the truth. Sanctify themselves wholly, both spirit, soul, and body, that we may be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord. For the Lord's coming back for a church without spot, without blemish, perfect in all her ways, and a perfect image of Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody tell you that perfection is not required. It is. Paul said, I'm not perfect yet, neither have I already attained in Philippi, to the church of Philippi. But he said, I'm trying to apprehend that of which I'm apprehended of Christ. Forgetting those things which are behind, I'm reaching forth to those things which are before. Pressing toward the mark. That mark's not in a loft, Beth Gommel. It's a tab. It's the last letter of the Hebrew ABC theory. Pressing toward the mark for the prize. What prize? of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. What's that? Kings and priests unto the Lord our God, and we'll reign on the earth with the Lord a thousand years. What prize? Don't you know that all runneth, all runneth in a race, but only one winneth the prize? That God, a whole mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world, has been to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus, Ephesians 1. Well, this one, don't you know that all runneth in a race? but only one, that one that is gathered together in Christ, grown up in him in all things, unto perfection, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, unto a perfect man, unto the knowledge of the Son of God, epigonosco, not gonosco, just having the Spirit, but a full image of Jesus Christ. The knowledge of the Son of God is a perfect image of him, Jesus Christ, our Savior unto a perfect man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That perfection of the saints is through sanctification and belief of the truth. Now, if we don't, somebody says, well, once saved, always saved, Brother Beard. Well, let's take a look at that. You'll find that Hebrews, he gives us in the, in the book of Hebrews, Paul gives us a warning. Notice that just to be used of God, now let's take a look at 2 Timothy. 
uh, Paul talking to Timothy, his son of the Lord, and and Second uh, Timothy two, and verse uh, twenty one. If a man, therefore, purge himself, purge himself, sanctifies himself, purges himself from these, from what? From all the works of the flesh. For those that are Christ or have crucified the flesh with the affections and the lust. And it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor. What? Sanctified. Sanctified means uh, that sanctified is where we get the word saint. Called to be saints. Those are the ones that are sanctified holy, both spirit, soul, and body, that we be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord. That's the only ones going to make it. Now, some died in the faith, haven't never received the promise. We realize that. But God has provided some better things for us on that last generation, that Christ generation, that they without us shall not be made perfect. It says sanctified and what? Meat for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. What work? The work of the ministry. The promulgation and proclamation and preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ unto all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then the end will come. There's not a devil in hell, a nation, or any evil force that can stop that from coming to pass. Will there be tribulation? Yes. Will there be great tribulation? Of course there will. But it will overflow in righteousness. Praise God. So at that point over, he says again, Look at Hebrews 6. Now, this is an admonition admonishing us that therefore leaving, didn't say forget, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ. Well, what's that doctrine of Christ? Christ, first of all, is that spirit. He is that spirit. First Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. If you've tuned into the podcast, you know the doctrine of Christ. The Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come to us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit, God Himself, the Spirit of Christ that was in them when it signified, when it testified before Him, the sufferings of Christ. Christ is God Almighty, the Spirit, the anointing. He is also the man, Christ Jesus, the anointed. He is the Spirit of God. That made himself a body of flesh and blood. It's not Christ Jr. Christ, the Spirit, is Christ the man. One and the self same. Hamashir. That is the Messiah. Yeshua. Jesus. There is none other. It is Jesus the Christ. And that, that Christ and that doctrine of Christ that you're established in him, that's that mystery. It's a mystery of God and the Father and of Christ. In him or head all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now that has to be revealed, the height, depth, length, and width in that revelation of Christ to know him in the height, depth, length, and width. The height, he's God. The depth, he became a man. The length and the width is the body of Christ that he works in to bring us many brethren unto perfection. Therefore, he said, therefore, leaving the principles of that doctrine of Christ, then forget them, leave them. 
let us go on unto perfection. That's sanctification. Through the belief of the truth. Not just a hearer of the word, but a doer of the word. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. That's wonderful. Repentance from dead works, we repent. And faith toward God. By grace, through faith are we saved. Of the doctrine of baptisms. That is, water baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Baptism of the Holy Ghost. And of laying on of hands. You are transferring. You're laying hands on. Lay hands on no man suddenly. You're transferring that spirit to that other person. But the doctrine of laying on of hands. And of the resurrection of the dead. And of eternal judgment. And this will we do if God permit. Now watch it here. For it is impossible. Now it said not probable. Impossible. For those who were once enlightened. That have the light of this glorious gospel. And have tasted of the heavenly gift. The Holy Ghost. And were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Knowing the power of God. And have tasted the good word of God. That as the mouth trieth the meat, so the ear trieth the word. They know it was the word of God and the powers of the world to come. That is Holy Ghost power. That is healing the sick, cleansing, liberal, raising the dead, casting out devils, opening blind eyes, loosening the dumb tongue, lame walk, captain going free, uh, drinking a deadly thing that won't hurt them. They're speaking with new tongues. The Holy Ghost. If they shall fall away. Somebody said they can't fall away. Oh, yes, they can. Grace won't fail you, but you, we, as a body of Christ, can fail of the grace of God. If they shall fall away, not God. God is always there. He is immutable, unchangeable. He is faithful and true. But if we, if they shall fall away, it is impossible, it says, to renew them again unto repentance seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. So you are a living epistle. Paul said, not the word, but you are are a living epistles. That Christ now is revealed in and through you, the body of Christ. If anybody sees God now, the Lord Jesus Christ, they see him through you. Paul said to live, uh, you know, uh, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. It's Christ that liveth in you, through you, through that faith. If they fall away, they put him to an open shame. They make him serve with their sins. And being often reproved, stiff of the neck and hard in their hearts, shall be cut off, and that without remedy. Now, this was not something you hear preached. But this teaches us the fear of God, not by the precept of man, but literally fearing God. For the earth which drinketh in the rain, Paul says, that cometh oft upon it, and bringeth forth herbs, meat for them, by whom it is dressed, receiveth blessing from God. But that which beareth thorns, in other words, the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches, Choke the word and it becometh unfruitful. Well, they receive the word, but when cares of this world, the seepfulness of riches come in, this care that chokes that word, it becomes unfruitful. Or tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, 
By and by they are offended and bring forth no fruits unto perfection. Well, we're told in the churches, most of them, out of 23,000 denominations, that you can't be perfect. As long as you're in, in this world, in a body of flesh, you can't be perfect, which Jesus said you are to be perfect. This we said, but that which beareth thorns and briars is rejected and is nigh unto cursing, whose end is to be burned. We're talking hellfire here. But beloved, we are persuaded better things of you and things that accompany salvation. You will know them by their fruit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, meekness, faith, temperance, Galatians 5.22, against such there is no law. Salvation, that there's things that accompany, says faith that accompany salvation. It says here, for God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which you have showed toward his name, in that you have ministered to the saints and do minister, and to desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. He that overcometh to the end, the same shall be saved. That you be not slowful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promises. Now, when we see this Melchizedek ministry that Paul is telling us about, in Hebrews, the fifth chapter, what we're called for, that high calling of God in Christ Jesus is that Melchizedek king priest ministry that we are all called for. Different uh, uh, works that we are called for, different members in particular of the body of Christ, different ministrations, but the same spirit. And God has shown the more abundant honor on the less comely parts there would be no chism or division in the body. Now, with that said, Let's take a look over here at the 10th chapter. And again, that's another admonishing. Now, I know that these things are sometimes hard uh, to be believed because we hear all the prosperity and God wants you to have new houses, new cars, new lands, millions of dollars in the bank and whatever. Well, God does wish that you uh, be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. Uh, but these are admonishing about the fear of God to obey his commandments, to be led of the Holy Ghost. As many as are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. We have to be led of the Spirit. Otherwise, it's iniquity, lawlessness. And he says now, he talks about the flesh, and he, the whole uh, volume of the book is written of Jesus Christ. And notice in Hebrews 10, verse 26. For if we sin willfully. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't fall. Uh, little children, I write unto you that we sin not. But if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the man Christ Jesus. There, but whosoever sinneth, commit, commit sin. Whosoever sinneth, commit sin is of the devil. In other words, you don't practice sin. And it says there, if any, if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, we know we have the power of God. 
and greater is he that is within you than he that's in the world. The outward man is perishing, though the inward man, which is renewed after Christ Jesus and by Christ and through Christ, is regenerated through the washing, regeneration, renewing of the Holy Ghost. The washing of the word, washing of the water of the word. He says, if we sin willfully after we have that knowledge of the truth, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. So the church is either going to go on unto perfection, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, unto a perfect man, or they're going to back up and literally be cast away. And that is why it's so urgent for the sealing and sanctification and belief of the truth unto love unfeigned of the brethren that we might be presented blameless at the coming of the Lord, both spirit, soul, and body. And he says here, but a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fiery indignation which shall devour the adversaries. He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Well, somebody said that was under the law. Yes, but take a look. Verse 29. This is Hebrews 10, verse 29. Of how much more sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy who hath trodden under foot the Son of God? and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified. That sanctification of that of the working of the Holy Ghost upon your human spirit and its outward reflection in life. Having a greater move of the Holy Ghost in and through you that they can show forth your light and then to disannul that and let it turn to darkness. And then that where that blood where he was sanctified, that it was literally saying, here's the way, walk you in it. We're literally being compelled of the Spirit to obey the truth. And don't do it. Well, we've done spite of that Spirit of grace. And it says here, whereby this, this blood of the covenant whereby he was sanctified. That's what got the Holy Ghost, the blood of that Holy Ghost. Somebody said, the Holy Ghost doesn't have any blood. Acts 20, 28. Take heed to yourselves and over all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost has made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he, God himself, hath purchased with his own blood. It counted at that blood of that covenant, wherewith he was sanctified and an holy thing, and had done despite unto the Spirit of grace. For we know him that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me, I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. That is exactly what we're going to go through in the last days in the four sword judgments of God. For the Lord will judge his people and repent himself of the evil. This is sealed up among God's treasures. It's the work of the ministry. It's a strange work. Bringing to pass this strange act, Isaiah 28. And it says, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But call remembrance of former days in which, after you were enlightened, you endured a great fight of afflictions. 
Many of the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivered them out of them all. Partly while you were made a gazing stock, both by reproaches and afflictions, and partly while you became companions of them that were so used. For you had compassion, Paul said, of me in my bonds and took joyfully the spoiling of your goods, knowing yourselves that you have in heaven a better and enduring substance. Cast not away, therefore, your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. For you have need of patience that after you've done the will of God, you might receive the promise. You must, we must do the will of God. We work out our own salvation with trembling and fear. For God worketh in us. That's the propelling, compelling power of God saying, here's the way walk in it. Here's the truth. Obey the truth. It's God that worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So it's through sanctification is the sealing is sanctification. And there's different levels of sealing from babies to little children. But we can't say little children, the children of the kingdom will be cast out. We have to go on to young men. Now I'm writing to you young men, 1 John 2, 12 through 14. I write to you young men because the word of God is strong in you and you've overcome the wicked one. Overcome. These are the overcomers, but it's only through the word. They're overcoming by the word of their testimony. That's not just saying, well, I thank God I'm safe, sanctified, and on my way to heaven. The word of their testimony is the one that's become one with God. He that's joined the Lord is one spirit and has that spirit of prophecy, which is the testimony of Jesus. It's knowing the will of God and doing it. They overcome them by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They become one with the testimony of the Lord, which is what we see in Revelation 19.10 when John saw a man. He knew it was the Lord. He had come to this the man was in the image of Jesus Christ. And John was going to worship this man. And the man says, See thou doest it not. I'm of thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. That you have received this testimony, that you have received this testimony that God is true. That's the truth, the word, not conformed to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. You were sealed by that Holy Spirit. After that, you received the word of God. You were sealed. So the more that we receive in the word of God in present truth, then we have to have this testimony that we are, that God is true. And we set that seal to our testimony. And that's the word of our testimony. And that Revelation 19.10 man, he said, I worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. That overcomer is where we're at now, doing the will of God. He that overcometh in the end, the same shall be saved. And that is sanctification. Sanctify them through thy truth. How do we get sanctified? Thy word is truth. And that word, though heaven and earth pass away, that word, not one jot or one tittle of that word will fail. So it's through that word that right now that God says, seal my people by my word. That's the only way we can be sealed. It's the same way of saying, sanctify my people through my word. My word is truth. That is why we have to grow up into him in all things. Sanctified holy. 
both spirit, soul, and body. Who does that? You sanctify yourselves holy. Well, it's through the Spirit of God. Yes, but you have to obey it. You have to submit to it and obey the leading of the Holy Ghost. But as many as are led of the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. And there's that that truth there that we see in First uh, Peter. And uh, uh, we see it, and we'll close the... Uh, the podcast with this on sealing God's people in First Peter 1 verse 20 who verily was for oh, well let's go up to verse 18 for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things you didn't buy your way into this it's freely given of God as the as the offense was of one so the free gift is of one man, Jesus Christ. And it says, you weren't redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold uh, from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world but was manifest in these last times for you. Foreordained? Yes, that's God's logos. The Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world in God's plan, purpose, and will. That's the logos. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. The Word is the Father. It is the Holy Ghost. It's the one and the self-same Spirit. 1 John 5, 7. It's three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. These three are one, heis, one and the self-same spirit. Who by him do believe in God and raise him from the dead. Jesus said, destroy this temple in three days. I will raise it up. He did it. And give him glory that your faith and hope might be in God. Verse 22. Seeing you have purified your souls. How? Just asking Jesus to come into your heart? No. By repentance and baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, born of the water, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? No. Because now after you have the Holy Ghost, you must obey. Notice he says, seeing you have purified your souls, what? In obeying the truth through the Spirit. How? Unto unfeigned love of the brethren. Seeing that you love one another, with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, how? By the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Take a look, he says, for all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as a flower of grass. The grass withereth and the flower thereof faith away. But this word, the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is a word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Sanctify them through that truth. That word is truth. How far do we have to go up? We have to walk in the light as he's in the light. Then we have fellowship one with another. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So now we're going from, we've gone from the newborn babes to little children. Those sins are forgiven for his name's sake. And you know that he is the father. Now we're at young men that have overcome the wicked one. These are the overcomers in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3. 
And this is what we're focusing on now through sanctification, which is sealing and present truth, the present truth of the word. Man will live by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God, not stagnant, but dynamic, literally a flowing word of God from the throne right now in present truth. And that's where we are, that God is now revealing this present truth in the work of the ministry for those who have an ear to hear. We will focus on the overcomer in the next podcast there in Revelation 2 and Revelation 3 and what it means to you that will finally ultimately come to fathers, which is the final sealing there in the apocalyptic sealing in Revelation 7. Praise God, neighbor. We want to invite you, and literally encourage you to give us a call for, as you can see on your screen, we are set up to do an outreach and evangelizing the Jesus-only doctrine of Christ for the sealing of God's people here in the last days. You'll see that we have a tractor-trailer rig, and on that rig is a tent, a gospel tent, that will seat up to 3,000 people. Now, don't let that discourage you because it can be set up to where it will be uh, a tent size for 300 people or 500 or 1,000 or up to 3,000. We have the instruments, we have the chairs, we have the gospel tent that if you would like a gospel tent meeting in your area where we can do social distancing, setting the chairs eight feet apart, not six, but eight feet apart, several rows, and still get in over 1,500 people in social distancing. We can bring it to your area. If you would like to hear that Jesus' only doctrine of Christ, the sealing of God's people, where we are now in prophecy and eschatology and that last day work of the ministry give us a call that is Dennis Beard at DennisBeard.org that's our website www.DennisBeard.org or SealingGodsPeople.org and let us hear from you we'd like to talk to you we can talk about where you would like to have a tent revival or maybe you would like just to say, well, Brother Beard, come to the church. Bring this to the meeting at the church. We'd love to hear from you. Well, let us hear from you. Give us a call. The number's on the screen. You'll see we have our own motorhome. We can drive to you anywhere in the United States. There, also with the tent, with the tractor-trailer rig, and our team of ministers that we bring there to your town, your city, to your state. So if the Lord deals with you, don't hesitate. Give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to have a gospel tent meeting or meet there and have a meeting in a meeting room or your church. Give us a call. Contact us at dinnerspirit.org, sealinggodspeople.org, and we'd love to hear from you. Let's talk. Let's meet. The body of Christ is coming together greater than it ever has before in the work of the ministry in the unity of the faith, in the knowledge of the Son. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, Behold, the real Jesus.